Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jo Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Today's episode is sponsored by Ravel and Bethany House Publishers, which are divisions of Baker Publishing Group. Find out more at bakerpublishinggroup.com. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this podcast. This is Jamie Joe at Madlit Musings, and I have with me today Carmen Schober, who, by the way, writes really awesome books. Thank you. I like yeah. your sultry introduction voice. <laughs> Was that sultry? I used to do I used to do radio voiceovers, and we had we have a local theater that used to do some of our local advertisements before movies played. And when my daughter was two or three, this ad comes out. I'm like, "Who's talking?" Because it was my voice, and she's like, "I don't know." I'm like, "It's mommy." She goes, "No, that's not you." And I looked at her and went, "Hello, darling. How are you today?" And she's like, "Oh!" And she starts crying. Hit her with that sultry voice. I know. I can, I can, I can hear it for sure. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So, speaking of sultry, your last bookmarks that came out were really cool. I've seen them. Please, yeah. please embellish on what they say. That's a great way to start a podcast. Yes. So, I have new bookmarks coming out. You get them if you pre-order Pretty Little Pieces. So, just another reason to go. Oh yeah, do that. It'll kind of you know in the style of the book, and it says. Just give me hot heroes, happy endings, and Jesus. <laughs> and that is my philosophy on contemporary romance. The best. The best. I love yep. it. So for readers who are listening today, yes, we are talking about hot heroes and Jesus. I think yep. it's I think that's a, a fair combination. I think, I think so. Great. Yeah. Maybe so I read Well, exactly. Romance is amazing. Although people don't think I like romance because I write like creepy, but um, I do like romance. I just, I'm not good at writing it. Yeah, no, totally. I oh, like I creepy, get... but I'm not good at writing it. It's good. See? We need See? each other. We do. We, we should write a book together. That would be interesting. Oh, <laughs> it would be like really suspenseful and really romantic. That would probably be, be like very like, I don't know. It could, could be a weird mashup or it could be mm-hmm. just that magic book that skyrockets us to fame and fortune. another podcast for another time I guess right (laughs) so you had the book after she falls come out which was a really good book I just want to say that for anybody who's not read it go get it now because it's a must and then pretty little pieces is coming out here in December and yeah it's Tuesday from when we're recording yeah you're right wow it's coming so fast yeah. And I love it because the book cover has like a shattered plate on the front and all these little like China pieces, porcelain scattered everywhere. So tell us about this book. So, well, a funny thing about the cover yeah. is it was designed when the concept was pretty different. A lot of people don't know that, but no, I don't. I had, yeah. I had pitched the the concept. I mean, it's still somewhat similar. It works. Okay. Thankfully, thankfully, poor Bethany House, right? If I'd like drastically changed it. Um, but the original concept was Georgina was a food photographer. So oh. you know, a little more on the food side food of side. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I changed her to a television designer in the vein of Joanna Gaines. She was always kind of like the next Joanna Gaines. Joanna yeah. Gaines does food stuff too. You know, she has a cookbook. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, pretty little pieces sort of in the way that after she falls was my little exploration of my fighter self mm-hmm. <laughs> little pieces was more of an exploration of my perfectionist self. And uh-huh. I've always liked um, interior design and fashion and aesthetics and all of that. I'm, I'm not the next Joanna Gaines, just disclaimer to anybody. I don't, I don't <laughs> have dedication or the talent. You don't have but, your own restaurant and no, a stage no. and magazine. Okay. All right. No, but I, I admire, I'm like, wow you nail a specific aesthetic every single time. That's pretty yeah. cool. It's a hard thing to do. It is. Um, so I thought it would be fun to get into a character that is like that, who is really good at making things look perfect. But then of course, the obvious thing to do with that is everything looks perfect, but what happens when it's not perfect and it's literally right. like shattering around you and your impulse is to try to make it perfect. Right. Um, and so, and of course, you know, it's a romance. So in the course of her trying to put together her shattered life, she meets somebody, of course. Oh, uh, shock. <laughs> I know. And he's, but he's not like your stereotypical, like, oh, he's a carpenter on her show or something like that. It's, he okay. has his own whole life going on. His own, he's an, he's an ex-sniper with a goal to get out of the tiny town where he lives. He's got, you know, he wants to go do big things and he meets this woman who is not part of the plan vice versa they're very much like opposites um you know she's very girly cosmopolitan he's Uh country cutie he loves guns and stuff she doesn't that's one of my favorite parts of the book because when they think about guns (laughs) oh my gosh that's awesome that's such an american conversation too so that's still relevant Yeah. Like she hits him with a lot of like the usual, like, oh my gosh, guns kill people. And he's mm-hmm. just kind of like, I don't even know what to say to you. <laughs> like, I got very realistic. Like, if these two yeah. very different people yeah. end up super attracted to each other and drawn together, but with lots of reasons why it shouldn't work out. And that's sort of, need- yeah. yeah. I was just gonna say, I'm going to need a post story now of just how they, you know, assuming they get married, how they handle gun control within their house. Like, is there a safe? Is it locked? Are they loaded? Are they unloaded? <laughs> right. I know. I have thought about a lot of, a lot of early reviews have been like, oh, you know, we need a, we need a, we need a sequel. We need to see what happens next. And I thought about how fun it would be for them to be married. Um, and, you know, just sort of like that dynamic explored in a yeah. much more you know, like uh, the pretty little pieces is the beginning of the relationship. So right, right. to revisit it in a more mature place and see what that looks like down the road. It is kind of funny when you have those personality types, because I'm by no means a Joanna Gaines. However, I have an appreciation for aesthetics and decor, right? And then I married a man who has a very extreme appreciation for function. Uh. So if it's functional, and it's the easiest way to do it. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And it's just a really interesting conglomeration when you put yourself in the same living room and he's like, I want to run speaker wire across the ceiling. And I'm like, I don't want spider webs of speaker wire across the ceiling. And he's like, but it's functional. And that's how we get good sound. And then we have this long conversation and he's like, seriously, I have to buy things to cover the speaker wire. And it's just funny. And you're like, yes, yes, you right. do. Yes, you do. Aesthetics. <laughs> it's called yeah. aesthetics. Who are you trying to impress? Myself. I'm trying to be happy when I I live here. (laughs) Yep. So anyway, all that to say, I think that would be a great concept for like maybe a novella that you sell on the side or something. For sure. It's opposites attract was really fun. I, you know, after she falls, 
those two characters have a lot in common. They're, you know, both fighters. They have really mm-hmm. similar childhoods. They have a lot of backstory. So it was just a whole right. different dynamic. And so it was, it was fun to be like, you know, just sort of these, these budding heads. I love it. also want to kiss each other all the time. Like it was definitely awesome. fun to write. What a, what a problem to overcome. <laughs> and those are the ones that always have the best kisses too, right? Because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're, there's so much tension. Yes. Right. So basically I have the book in front of me right here. So I just basically need to fast forward here and read some of these kissing scenes. Skip right to the middle. That She said it right here, folks. Skip right to the middle to get the kissing scenes. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So, okay. All that aside, it sounds like a great story but I know you well enough to know that you also love to bring in your faith. And that's the last part of that bookmark, which is Jesus. So talk to us about the overall faith story within this love story. Yes. Yes. So pretty little pieces, as you know, you can kind of deduce from the title. It's about when things fall apart, what, what do you do? Um, And in the case of Georgina's life, she is really used to, figuring out how to fix it herself. You know, that's her career essentially Mm -hmm. is go in and clean up messes. And I just know personally, um, my, I've been a Christian for a long time and even still my default mode very often is I am just going to make this happen. Like I want something or I see that something's wrong. I'm I, I'm just going to rush out and in my own strength, I'm going to put this back together. And when we do that, we miss out so much on what we were made for, which was that communion and connection and relationship with God, you know, and like in those moments when things fall apart, as hard as they are, I find that usually those are moments when I just discover something about God that like changes everything, you know, like just something right. about his character that maybe I cognitively knew I experienced it on a personal level, like his personal investment in my life, his personal care for me and his, you know, knowledge of my problems, even problems. I don't even know that I have, <laughs> you know, like that Wait, we of- have those, we have problems. We don't know we have. And so when I think of the spiritual thread that comes across, hopefully what I was trying to do was this really honest uh, portrayal of how that transformation works and looks. Um, And, you know, obviously it's juxtaposed to home renovation shows, which are all about make Mm -hmm. it fast, make it pretty, make it know like just do it as quickly and as efficiently as you can and in in life like we all love a makeover we all love like you know I personally like you know if I'm feeling down I'll go buy myself like a new lipstick or something I don't know it's just yeah, weird yeah. to feel better right. but so much of the work of building things that last is slow is steady it takes time it takes bringing in other people to help you. It's not mm-hmm. this, you know, it's not this makeover thing. It's an actual rebuild. And mm-hmm. so that that's kind of the spiritual arc of the book in multiple characters' lives, but obviously kind of centering on Georgina. The really fun thing um, that some people, if they know me, maybe they know this, but like 
the dynamic of Georgina being a more nominal type Christian and Cassidy, her love interest, being a more mature Christian is very similar to when I met my husband. Okay. Like I was just a little more like I loved Jesus, but I was very sort of like it was like cultural Christianity, you know, like okay. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It got hard if something was hard, if, if like my Christianity intersected with something that made me feel uncomfortable or made like, basically if I had to choose between Jesus and being liked, I would very often try to figure out a way to like, to compromise, to be like, and Cassidy in the book is moved beyond that. Like he doesn't okay. compromise on the things that he can't compromise on. Like he knows mm. what they are. He's mm-hmm. not changing his mind. He's not uncomfortable with his Christian identity. And so that was another fun thing. It's like this sort of, she's interested. She wants to learn about it, but she's also in a different place spiritually than him. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, some people don't like that I do that dynamic in my books where like one person, like, you know, they say, oh, it's the trope of somebody needs to be converted or whatever. In this case, I don't think she really needed to be converted. She already sort of believed it was that like basically missing puzzle pieces needed to be filled in. Um, And I just think realistically in 2022, that's the romantic landscape that most people are going to have. If you're a Christian and you want to go, you know, meet the person you're going to marry, you're going to have to have some really tough spiritual conversations because right the whole landscape of christianity in the united states i mean lots of people say they're christians they're not lots of people aren't and aren't interested at all you know like it's just very those conversations even though maybe they seem weird to some people i think they're going to be at the forefront of anybody who wants like a meaningful relationship and who wants to really get to know someone on the most important level you're going to have to talk about god so I include it, but, you know? yeah, you're absolutely, you're so right because Christian, the word Christian nowadays is not a universal title the way it used to be, where you could naturally assume if I said I'm a Christian or even, a, you know, you could say there might've been a difference between you know, Protestant and Catholic, but outside of that, we still shared the same fundamental beliefs. You know, there's Jesus right. and he died and he rose again. And now, and, and the other big one was that the Bible is the authoritative word of God. And that's debated now and even taught differently within some Christian, I'm using air quotes, but people can't see it on the podcast, but between Christian denominations or churches. And so, yeah, you can't just, hi, I'm dating somebody. Do you love Jesus? Yes, I love Jesus. Great. We're together because so many of those doctrinal issues are sometimes fundamentally completely different. Yep. Yep. Or people haven't even thought about them. Like Very they true. say they love, they love Jesus, but they have not spent, you know, right five minutes considering like, what do I actually think about heaven and hell? What do I actually yeah. think about sin? You know, like just certain right. things that in order to love Jesus, you have to have some understanding of those things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I always kind of strive. I don't think art is supposed to be like this utilitarian thing where, you know, right. you get my book and I teach you everything about Christianity. My book's right. not going to function like that. Thankfully, we have the Bible, so you can go read that. Yeah, <laughs> but there you go. what I try to do is at least bring out those things that I think are so important for building intimacy between people. 
because I do think mm, it's like ultimately yeah. um at least obviously in my stories I think it's it is romantic it's romantic to care yeah. about someone enough to really want to know what they really think about things yeah. um at the risk of sounding weird or being uncomfortable I think it's respectful I think it's I think it's pretty pretty mm -hmm. darn countercultural too you know right. to have adult characters sit down and really dig deep into the spiritual side of life um but hopefully people find it fun because I do no I think it's great I think it's great let's take a quick break and then when we come back I want to continue this conversation because I think it's culturally relevant yes. um but I think it also helps readers understand some of the passion behind not just fiction writers but behind Christian fiction writers and like you said, it's not that you're wanting to teach a textbook, but there are elements that we do have a passion to put into our book. So I'll talk some more about that when we come back. Perfect. Are you enjoying today's broadcast with our featured author? You can find out more about them and other authors from Baker Publishing Group at bakerbookhouse.com. Use code MADLIT40 for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title at bakerbookhouse.com. This also includes Ravel and Bethany House Publishing. Go over fast. It's MADLIT40. That's your magic code for 40% off any one Baker Publishing Group title. All right, we are back at MADLIT Musings with Jamie Jo Wright and Carmen Schober. And I'm using my sultry radio voice <laughs> yeah, again, so I'm going to stop doing that. It's really annoying. Like, I start out that way, and I either need to, like, carry it all the way through or just stop altogether. No, no, it's it's a it's a signature intro. I like it. should keep Mad it. Mad lit musings. Jamie, you're right. All right. Okay, let's talk about your... <laughs> a total squirrel. I, I watched a TikTok the other day of Britney Spears and how her voice changed over time. It did. It was really... It was interesting. I think it was meant to be funny, but I didn't take it funny. I was kind of like, kind of sad. Yeah. Like the, it, the infantilizing. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. It's, yeah. It's very odd. Like just the whole trajectory of Britney Spears's life. Sad, I think. Right. Right. I think you and I would have fun doing a podcast about cultural issues. Yeah, we would. I think that we would. That would be a blast. That would be a blast. Okay. So, but, but back to your book. So we have pretty little pieces. We have a Joanna Gaines type heroine and we have an ex-sniper. Like, thank you. Hello. You're welcome. I love your heroes. They're so not like, not hot. <laughs> you know, I was I telling Shatona, my favorite is guys who can kill people but don't. <laughs> I was just going to say, what is it about a man and a gun? Like, even if you're like no. anti-gun. Well, maybe if you're not, maybe if you're really anti-gun, it's not attractive. I don't know. I've never been that anti-gun, but there's something about a guy with a gun. I don't know. It's just that alpha male power. I don't know. Just does it for me. Does it for me. All right. But anyway, we were, you know, yeah, we were talking before the break about the importance of adult conversation, especially in relationships and how you incorporate that into your romances of showing people at different stages of faith walk. And then having those tough conversations, um, where do you think people can, you know, when they're going into a relationship, where do you think people can bring out those conversations? Like it's, it's uncomfortable sometimes to start them. So I guess for people who are in those relationships, or maybe it's just a, a friend, you know, 
a general friend and it's not a romance, but how do you bring up those conversations? It's a good question. Um, teach us, Carmen. Yeah, teach you my ways. Well, I can tell you this might be the best way. Isn't It's not like a, I don't have like a do this. I have a, yeah. think about it this way. Okay. So when I was in graduate school, I was very much like the version of myself that I was describing earlier where people knew I was a Christian, but I really wanted to be like that cool Christian. I didn't want him okay. to think like, you know, oh, she's like, you know, she's judgy or she um, is going to disapprove of some kind of behavior or whatever. Like I wanted to be like, you know, oh, guys, don't worry. I'm that cool Christian. Um, but I also, I mean, I was trying, like I had friends who... I would try to tell them the gospel and I would do what I could. Um, but I, looking back, I was just so, it's very hard to have those conversations effectively if some part of you is wrapped up in approval from people. And it wasn't until I finally let it go and I accepted the fact of, I mean, Jesus straight up tells us like, because we are Christians, because we love him, there are going to be instances where people hate you, where people, yeah. you know, believe the worst about you, where they say terrible things about you. Like he just literally said it. And like, I was just living so much <laughs> of my life trying to be like, no, no, no. Like if I do Christianity right, then everyone will like me. Mm -hmm. And that's literally like the opposite. Right. Of what. And I mean, of course, I'm not talking about like, being a jerk and like, you know, like there's, right. you can do things, you can be very off-putting in your, um, Christian faith, but right. if you remain faithful to Jesus and you tell the truth about things, you're, you are just going to find yourself in positions where you're going to be misunderstood and rejected. And when I finally got to that place where I, I just believed, I like took Jesus at his word and was like, okay. And I also accepted like, even if that happens, it's going to be okay. You know, like even if I lose opportunities or I lose friends or whatever the case may be, I'm going to be okay because it's worth it to me to be faithful to Jesus more than it is, whatever this other thing might be. And it is when I made that shift in my mind um, that I think when I would talk about Jesus, it was just a lot more powerful because I really, you know what I mean? Like, I guess my, my, my heart matched up with what I was saying. I'm telling you, Jesus is so great. And I actually believe it. Right. Because yeah. I'm, I'm willing, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice things. That's how great I think he is. Mm -hmm. And so it just carried a lot of like a much more, like a, a greater power um, in my words, whether I was writing them, whether I was speaking them, in the case of friendships and romantic relationships, bringing it up, I personally think you should lead with it. Like, I think mm. that I, I don't, I think ideally it shouldn't be a surprise to people that, you know, yeah. you are a Christian or you love Jesus. Like it shouldn't really come as this, this sort of, uh, I mean, it will probably be awkward just because our culture has made talking about religion and politics and things like that very awkward. It makes people right. just automatically sort of get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But if the person is really hostile to that, then there you go. You have your your answer of where that relationship can go for now. And if they're open to it, if they're receptive, then you've just started a really important conversation. And you've done that before emotions are involved and it becomes 
a yes. situation with broken hearts or this desire to compromise something because you love the person so much or you're so intertwined with them at that point. Right. Right. And, yeah. in, and in pretty little pieces, um, you know, I actually did kind of make that dynamic where they were super, like they loved, they were into each other before okay. they had those conversations mm -hmm. and the guy had to end up like basically pumping the brakes and mm -hmm. you know, he had to be like, whoa <laughs> like we have to have some serious talks girlfriend like you know <laughs> she her expectation was totally different she was ready yeah. to escalate everything and like thankfully his christian conviction and understanding of like the order that things should go kicked in mm -hmm. and we could have that conversation but to your point it's easier <laughs> It's much easier on one's willpower and self-control right. if you have those, you know, and I took into account in my book, obviously, like he's an older, he's in his thirties, like, you know, like there's mm -hmm. a reason why this dynamic could work, you know, if right. you're like 18 years old, the likelihood of this, uh, happening in a way that doesn't involve some broken hearts is probably right. unlikely. So it's wise yeah. to lead with who yeah. you really are. I yeah. Think. I also love how you said he's older and he's like in his early thirties. Well, you I, know what I, I got one foot in the grave based on that. Holy smokes. No. <laughs> so basically the moral of the story then is for fiction. Don't talk about your faith until halfway through the relationship because it makes for a really tense romance, but for real life, talk about your faith first. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that is always the hard thing. Like I think some people complain in fiction that the characters find themselves in these like not ideal situations but mm -hmm. I'm like that's literally how you write fiction like I can't right. just write it where they're doing right. everything right or you wouldn't want to read right. it you know yeah. my daughter asked me the other day she said are there going to be fiction books in heaven and my instinctive answer was well yeah because God created creativity so why wouldn't we write books in heaven and then I was like what would we write about because if you're not like really thinking about sin anymore, it's perfection. And there's, yeah. there's nothing, but there's nothing exciting. About perfection. I mean, that sounds horrible to say, but that's where my brain went. I've thought about it before too. It's what's so interesting to me. I don't have like a really deep, like conclusion to this. No, I just have wondered it before yeah. that like in the Bible, you basically have two major narrative arcs I mean there's way more than two but the right. two that I think are the most like long at like the most developed is we have a story about a battle it's a battle mm -hmm. between good and evil it's a battle between light and darkness and it's like a literal battle where Jesus is going to come back and like slaughter the wicked it's intense right. people, people don't like that part but that's well that's you the know hey, it's there then <laughs> you have the story like a love story and it's God mm. and his bride the church yeah. And it's so interesting that that is essentially what almost every story is. Like every single it's narrative, true. fiction narrative we have is battles and love stories, battles and love stories, battles and love stories, like in a, a million different forms. Um, and so I don't know. I think, I wonder if like in heaven, there's just some other level to that, that we don't even like know. Yeah. Yeah. We're, like, we're living the story in this perfected way. I don't know. But that's I don't just know. I, I love it. I love it. But that's that's actually really profound though when you talk about those two arcs, because I guess I never thought of it in those terms. But yeah, you're absolutely right. There's mm -hmm. battles and then there's the love story. 
And what's interesting, so when you lead with the, okay, this is total rabbit trail, but when you lead with the battles and then like you said, Jesus is going to slaughter all the wicked, it sounds horrible, like absolutely brutal. And like, why would I even want to read about this dude? But then when you view it through the lens of a love story, all of a sudden he becomes heroic. It's like he's, you know, slaughtering all the orcs in Lord of the Rings or something like these, you know, it, it, it puts a different perspective into quote slaughter yes when you have a a real what a lot of modern people why i think they find the violence in the battle so like off-putting is because they're not very honest with themselves about the depths of human sin like Mm -hmm. if we get really nitty-gritty about the horrific things that people do to one another and the way that people you know treat their maker like that's Mm -hmm. essentially like we don't often think about that but like god modern people didn't have a very flippant attitude toward god but he's god you know like right. he made you and just right. just like utter disrespect and the, yeah. the flagrant abuse of other people and the planet mm-hmm. so like if we really sit with that to me i mean jesus slaughtering the wicked is a relief and not because oh, i'm so yeah. good because i'm i've been saved through she, by, by him saving me i'm the right. only reason i'm not part of the wicked is because i cling to the fact that you know jesus christ made right. it for me to not be yeah. so it's, it's to me i mean yeah i i understand the the impulse to kind of like shrink back from a statement like you know it's a it's an epic battle where right. jesus slaughters people but it's like yeah I don't know. We've all people like Lord of the Rings. People right. like maybe like <laughs> if you get if you're honest, if you have an honest picture yeah. of good and evil, I mean, we want to see good prevail. Mm-hmm. We were at the um Ark Covenant a few weeks ago with my kids, and there's one picture there that has they kind of show some of the timeline of the progression of man and sin. And my daughter saw this picture and it's not graphic at all, but it's just a picture or kind of a diorama actually of a um, um, pagan temple back in the days of like Noah. And there's a woman who's going up on top to, there's an obvious place of sacrifice and she's got this baby kind of held out in front of her. And so all the implications are there if you're an adult and you know what's coming. And my daughter is not an adult and she goes, why does she have a baby in a place like that? And I said, well, because the baby was going to be the sacrifice. And she goes, I don't get it. And so I, my daughter was preteen, so she's old enough. And I was just like, well, this was part of their cultural experience because they didn't have a relationship with our creator. So they had created gods that they felt they needed to appease, to make happy, to get good things in return. And so you give your most precious to where your loyalties lie and their most precious would have been one of their children and she goes you mean they they sacrificed it like they killed it on the altar and I was like yeah I said they did she looks at me and without missing a beat she goes no wonder God wiped out that nation oh dang and I was like child and that's what we need to make sure we don't continue because every generation has that potential yeah. of sacrificing yeah. what is most precious to the Lord towards something completely evil. And when that happens, God is going to just put a stop to it. Oh, I got goosebumps. I know. She gets it. She, she gets, gets it. it. She gets like, it. But it's a tough yeah. lesson. It's a tough lesson to learn that part about sin. 
in moralistic, relative, postmodern gunk world that we live in, it's a daily exercise in making things that are evil seem good and making things that are good evil. God bless her that she got it. You know, it hit her. She knew it. Like, and you know, I think that's the faith of children. Like I have conversations with my four-year-old and it's amazing how, you know, some would say it's simple. It's not just simple though. It's profound. Like Mm -hmm. it's just understanding that she hasn't overcomplicated it yet. You know, like as adults, I think we do overcomplicate it because we want to find some way to redeem something or to justify something or to make it more palatable or, or whatever the definition is where a kid just looks at, I mean, their brains aren't developed yet to fill in these little gaps of potential problems. They just look at the black and the white and this is what was happening and this is what God did. And okay, that makes sense. Yep. Yep. They know he's you a know. good parent, you know, right. That, that distrust and that maybe I know better than you isn't there until right. it comes eventually. And it always comes with all of us. And then, yes. you know, exactly. you know, my husband, who is a youth pastor says, it's always easier to work with kids than to work with adults because mm-hmm. kids take you at face value and they're like, either they agree with you or they don't agree with you. But as adults, we try and make up all these little extra bridges and pathways and it just convolutes the conversations. Yes. And it, it's so, it's so unfortunate because it's, it just like, God is so good. He is a good father. He, he wants your good. And, you know, it's, it's so unfortunate to try to think of every way around that. When I think, you know, deep down, if the human heart can acknowledge the sin and, you know, repent, it's just that loving embrace of like God's acceptance is so good. But people want everything except for that, you know? It's, know. it's the hard thing of the human condition, for sure. Um, sure. So, dang, we got really deep. Got and that's really- why we call it pretty little pieces, because we are pretty little pieces that really need Jesus. Yes, absolutely. So, for the readers who are still listening. Right? All like, of this hey, from a romance novel. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. I guarantee, I guarantee that Carmen does not go quite that in depth in her story. Although I will say, and I think this is what sets Christian fiction apart from general fiction, so to speak, is there is a message of faith in our stories and they'll be at varying degrees and varying outputs of in your face versus withdrawn. But that's the beauty of Christian fiction is you can not just read a story but you can find pieces that can challenge your faith and or um, make you look differently at your faith. And I think that's what's so cool about this. And I love hearing it from authors like you who are, you know, we've got an age gap between us. Let's just be honest. So I'm going to say young and up and coming authors who okay. we need in that. Um, what are you, Gen Z? What no, I'm a millennial. You're a millennial? You're older girl. than I thought. You're older than I thought. Oh my gosh. Anyway, we we still need we still need people who are carrying on that torch and that faith in fiction as some of the the older fiction authors, I don't want to say die off, but retire. <laughs> <laughs> That's my blunt side. But you know, as we get older and you know produce less, you know, it's great to see up and coming fiction that is relevant to a younger audience. You know, right. my daughter coming up is not going to read the same type of fiction I do just right. because it's not going to be relevant to where she's at. And 
And so for readers who are listening, I guess my point is Carmen is really relevant. And if you have, you know, first of all, you'll enjoy the book, but if you have younger readers who are in their twenties, their thirties, even their, I would say late teens, these are good books for young women to start reading and start being challenged in their faith along with a really good story. Thank you. Thank you. That's, I mean, I, I love that age demographic that 18 to like 35. Yeah. Just because, I mean, for me, I grew up reading Christian fiction and I loved it. It was the intersection of what I cared about. It had, you know, romance and beauty and fun and Jesus. And I couldn't find that anywhere else. You right. know, in school, yeah. we can talk about God and other contexts you know, I was always being sold lots of things, but they never included the spiritual side of life. Which I had right. questions about and mattered to me. Um, and so I do when, whenever I sit out, sit down to write, I think about what did, what would 18 year old Carmen need? What would 20 year old mm-hmm. Carmen need? What did 25 year old Carmen need and think about, you know, and what, and how could I, not just what you need, but what's the story that's going to like right. capture the attention and make it so you don't want to put the book down and give you that connection that makes books so special Absolutely. Um, they are you know good stories and so I really appreciate absolutely. that that's absolutely definitely. yeah so I would yeah definitely anybody who's in youth ministry early college career ministry type stuff if you're listening this is a great book to get your young people involved in reading and romance is not cheesy when it's a Carmen Schiller romance they could throw that in there too <laughs> Carmen, how do readers find out about you and your books? Well, best place is my website, of course, carbonshober.com. Shober is S-C-H-O-B-E-R, trips everybody up. Um, I'm also on Instagram, um, just again, I think if you search my name and of yeah. course you go to my website, you'll find me. So that's the best place. Sign up for my email newsletter and that's, you know, consistent updates and all of that because yes. you can't trust social media these days. You post things, maybe you see them, it's maybe yeah. Well, and you have some really unique newsletters too. There's lots of fun content made in the USA type shopping tips and all Love kinds shopping. of really fun stuff. So definitely sign up for that. Carmen, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jamie Joe. It is always so fun to talk to you. <laughs> it's a blast to talk to you too. And we will talk again soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.